0: Bonjour mes chers, et bienvenue, welcome to the next episode of the Paris Lessons. You can probably hear how big my smile is right now. I'm speaking to you from Roma, from Rome where I've been. For the past week, taking a break in between semesters at the Sorbonne, many of you know that I took up studying Italian again last year after many years, and it has been so inspiring and also so humbling to be putting my Italian to use down here. I have had for, I'd say, two, two and a half years now, just this feeling as if my soul was calling me down here, just telling me that this is another city that in Europe that I really need to get to know. And then, of course, the more I've studied philosophy, Rome comes up all of the time. Rome is one of the great centers of philosophical thought. So here I am, and it has been amazing. I've gone to the Pantheon twice. That's my favorite, favorite place in Rome. It's such a stunning building. It has such stunning energy. I did some wonderful things based on the recommendations of my friend Marina at Italy Segreta. I also left a lot of room for surprises, as I always tell my students to do when they're traveling, to not plan. I've been using the Italian that I have. It has been wonderful speaking with people in restaurants, in shops, here at the hotel. I have, I think I've just been out walking all day long, every single day. I feel like I know the cobblestones by heart. I've had so many wonderful cultural adventures, so many wonderful phrases stick out in my mind from the Romans that I've spoken to. For example, uh, I did a tour with a gentleman named Luca. He runs uh, these tours. They're called Mini Tour Roma, and his vintage minis. And I highly recommend starting off any trip in Rome with one of his tours. It was so much fun. It was a beautiful, bright, sunny morning when I my first morning here. I arrived in the evening the night before, and it was such a wonderful way to really get my bearings. I'd been to Rome before, but a long time ago, and they were very fast. Trips and uh, Luca and I had wonderful conversations. I met up with my dear friend Mauro. We had wonderful conversations about culture and philosophy. I met a beautiful woman who owns a spiritual bookshop in Trastevere, it's called Libreria Dharma. And her name is Rita, Rita, and we had some beautiful conversations. It turns out that we have, we're both very inspired by Paramahansa Yogananda and his work. I used to go to the lake shrine a lot when I lived in Los Angeles before I moved to Paris. We talked about meditation, about calm, about love, about joy. I had many moments of calm reflection. Many of you might have seen the photo that I posted on Instagram from Villa Medici. So that is now the Académie de France. Well, it has been since 1803. And they host artist residencies every year. There are 16 spots available. I actually have a professor of uh, la philosophie esthétique or la philosophie de l'art, philosophy of art, who was one of um, their their writers one year. She was writing about Stendhal syndrome. So it was very fun to sort of retrace her footsteps. I highly recommend taking a tour of the villa and of the gardens. The tours are all private. They have them in French, English, Italian, Spanish. I did one in French. It was so fascinating and inspiring. And then the cafe is open to the public. So that's where I sat and read and did some wonderful thinking about what I want to create this year. And just did some wonderful reflecting about um, about what I want, what I don't want, what I if making sure that my actions are aligned with my intentions, making sure that I'm taking care of myself, of my mind, of my body, of my soul. You know these important conversations that one needs to have with. Their self. So speaking of, I received some wonderful questions during this pause, this break that I took while I was studying for my finals at the Sorbonne, and merci de tout coeur. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you who sent me encouraging emails or left messages on Facebook or Instagram. I read them all. Thank you so much. I was on a bit of a, not a digital detox, but I had to be very, very disciplined and um, be sure that I wasn't getting too distracted with anything other than philosophy, because those exams are quite rigorous, as all exams are, I imagine, in any master's program. One of the questions, actually a question that I received was very much also connected to a comment that someone posted on Instagram, and this was basically asking me about how I managed to do everything I do. And the comment on Instagram, actually, the, the email was beautiful. The comment on Instagram was beautiful. Both of these women um, alluded to how, you know, at least from the way that they perceive the way I'm doing everything that I managed to do it all. And I managed to do it with grace, which to me, that last part is just the, the highest, one of the highest compliments anyone could ever pay me doing things with grace. I really believe that there's no point in doing anything if you can't do it with grace. I first learned this lesson from my Parisian piano teacher when I was first arriving in Paris. So I was 20 years old. And, um, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm a very focused person. Being able to focus for long periods of time has really been able to serve me well when it comes to artistic endeavors, to dreaming up a business, building a business, growing a business. However, I do have to keep my chel- myself in check sometimes because I'm so focused that I'll lose track of time in a book, in front of a computer screen, at the piano. And, You know, not be out walking around, breathing like I was this week, breathing in the air of Rome. So this piano teacher, when I had first arrived, uh, asked me how much I was practicing. And at the time I was practicing piano, I think eight hours a day, which, which, which might sound like a lot, but that's actually quite normal when you're training to be a professional pianist. Um, and I think at that time I was doing eight to 10 because, you know, I was preparing to come to Paris and I was very proud of that number. And she sort of looked at me and she said, that's too much. And I had never, ever thought of this before that you could, that you could practice piano too much, that you could work too much or that you could work too hard. And so I asked her very politely, of course, to explain and she proceeded to explain to me something that is that is just, obviously it stayed with me decades later and the older i get it, it has it's had different meanings for me over the years when i first when she first explained this to me i took her message to mean well you should she basically said you shouldn't practice more than 6 hours a day and i thought what she was sort of saying was that if you have to practice more than 6 hours a day then that means you're not you're not really you don't have the talent necessary to do this as a profession. But then the more time I spent with her as her student and the more living I've done over the years and the more living I've done with French in French culture, I realized what she meant, actually. She was talking about this this, this notion of doing things well and doing them with grace, right? You don't need to... Being successful, whatever that looks like, to you should not cost you your life, should not cost you your living, should not cost you your dinners with friends, your brunch on Saturday with your girlfriends, or your long walks in the park on Sundays, or your time with your children, or your time with your partner. What she was also saying, though, was That you need to be bien organizé, that you need to have a rhythm, you need to be well organized, you need to have a rhythm, you need to have a certain level of consistency that will give you the stamina that you need to really, really, really do, in this case, you know, to to play piano well. To play piano excellently, but you can apply it to anything. And this is a concept that I talk about a lot in the French confidence program this being bien organisé. So I've applied this to philosophy. I've applied this to French is Beautiful. I've applied this to how I rest. Um, and, it, and it's never, ever failed me. Because what happens is when we, when we, Force ourselves when we push ourselves to the very, very edge, which is which is something that's very much rewarded in Anglophone culture, particularly American culture, we lose that grace. We're frazzled, we're burnt out, we're not rested. We might have an end result that looks excellent, or you know, we might be lauded with great grades or with an award or with a raise, but we're not having a graceful experience. Sometimes also this can come from not necessarily just pushing ourselves too hard, but from doing too much, but in too short of a time, saving things for the last minute. So cramming for a test or, you know, having so much emotion connected to something that we're working on that we're actually terrified of failing. So what do we do? Logically, we procrastinate and sort of set ourselves up for that failure because, in that way, we were at least controlling our failure. Which is, I am a great procrastinator. I'm sure many of you listening can relate to this, but I know now when I'm procrastinating, I'm procrastinating because whatever it is I have to do is really important to me or really important to a part of my life, right? Something administrative that just really is important and has to get done, but I'm afraid of not doing it right, or I'm afraid of what the response m- might be. So, so I have a tendency to save it for the last minute. But the, the sooner that you can get into a space of being in a more gentle rhythm, working more consistently. So for example, um, you know, a great example I think would be a writer, Instead of giving yourself 10 days to write that novel, give yourself every morning over the period of three months to write that novel. Infuse whatever you're doing with that organization, with that calm, with that grace, because there's nothing like excellence achieved with grace. And I mean your excellence. I don't mean being the best. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I've, I've let go of that. That was something that was very much part of my twenties, thirties, you know, wanting to, to be perfect, right? That's what that is. Perfectionism really when you think about it. And I'll talk a lot more about perfectionism in in another episode of the podcast, but I'm at this stage in my life, all about excellence based on my own standards, but done so with grace so thank you thank you to the two wonderful women who shared those observations with me and asked me how i do everything i do so now to the more practical part of that answer ariana Huffington said something really great she said it a a bunch of times um she believes that we can't we can do everything but we can't do it all at the same time and i think that that's true I was actually reading Deepak Chopra the other night here, and he said something interesting about time. Um, This was in his book. I don't have it in front of me. I think it's called... um, Hold on. I have to look. It's not fair to to paraphrase a book and not give you the exact reference. I'm back. So it's from the book of Secrets, which is one of his earlier books, talking about how uh, you know we feel like time is pressing us, but time is not pressing us. And I would add to that, time is something that I've studied a lot and thought about a lot at, uh, in my philosophy studies. Time is not doing anything. Time is there. Time is a field through which every single one of our observations, our experiences, our thoughts passes through. Time is not doing anything. We are doing everything through it. So what's helped me to uh, achieve, to, to be able to work on the amount of things that I work on at any given time is to remember that time is my friend. I used to have that written on, um, I have a cork board with certain phrases that are really helpful to me um, for whatever I'm working on or going through at the time. Time is my friend was the phrase on my cork board for almost two years. I swapped out my phrases around New Year's this year. Time is my friend. It is not pressing me. It is not pushing me against a wall. It is not a force working against me. However, I can use time in a way that makes it seem like it's working against me if I'm procrastinating. if And procrastination, as I said earlier, is often connected to perfectionism, le perfectionisme, which we don't hear a lot about in French culture, but when we do, it's always with a lot of sympathy. French people uh, really see perfectionism as as the painful thing that it is. So Deepak says, time is not pressing us. Ariana says, we can do it all, but not at the same time. So related to Ariana's comment, you have to do the work. Like for example, I shared with you when I sat at Villa Medici, thinking about my life, what I want to achieve next, what I want, what I want to nurture more um how i want to nurture myself more how i want to be a better friend a better a better sister a better colleague a better boss all of these you know different roles that we all play in our lives well Part of that is knowing what's really important to you, what makes you happy, what's important to your life practically, what needs to get done in order for you to do certain things, to be able to travel or to be able to, you know, to have the things you want in your home, to to nest the way that you want to, to take that class you want to take, to have that degree you want to get, Um, but also recognize if you're doing and saying things that go along with what's important to you. And then what comes with that is you'll realize activities you're engaged in, maybe relationships you're investing too much in um, that actually aren't, you know, I could say aren't serving you, but that's such a general statement. The way that I think of it is more like things that aren't necessarily, things that are taking energy away from the things that need the most of my energy. And this has helped me so much. So it's actually, if you can provide yourself with a moment of calm and if you can be really honest with yourself, sometimes it's best to put things on paper. Sometimes we see more clearly when we see our thoughts on paper. You could even record yourself. You might you might have revelations listening to yourself talk about, you know, your goals, what's making you happy, what's not making you happy, things that you've, you've wished you've done, but you haven't d- done them for whatever reason. And that part's really fun and really inspiring. The next part is a little bit intimidating because then you're going to start to... It's intimidating and confusing. You're going to start to realize that there are certain things... That aren't really in line with your 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 soul's call. Let's call it, let's call it that. Um, you'll find that maybe there are relationships you're investing a little bit too much energy in. And I'm not saying that you you know, you need to throw anyone away or cut anyone off. You know, let's go more the French way and be a little bit more moderate. So what will happen when you start to? Get these hunches when you start to get a feel, because that's what it starts as for me, a feeling of wait a minute, why what's going on there? Why am I putting so much energy into that activity? Or or sometimes I even see it with French is beautiful. There are there are things that I love to do, but that actually don't really drive the business. So maybe I need to spend less time doing that or find or find an outlet for that part of my creativity more in my personal life for example but it's interesting when when you start to understand the things that aren't really that aren't really driving your life and you know these could be activities these could be relationships what comes up then is a really wonderful opportunity to see areas in which you might be insecure so maybe you're investing more in that one relationship because it just makes you feel better about yourself which is okay. I'm I'm speaking from you know personal experience. We're all human. We have so much more in common than we realize. Maybe you're investing in that maybe you're you know really just pushing yourself so hard at work because it makes you feel great about yourself. Right? It's a lot of self-help would say it's, you know, feeding your ego, but maybe it's damaging your body or maybe worse, maybe you're maybe you're just, you know, really pushing yourself at work but you're in an environment where this might not translate into a promotion because of the culture where you are. Who knows, but hopefully what you're gathering from what I'm sharing is that how important it is to have these conversations with yourself, to make these observations, just to understand if, if where you are putting your precious energy, your precious energy is serving your soul's call. So the way that I manage to, to manage everything that I'm doing, being in school, doing the masters, um, creating everything for French is beautiful, creating new programs for French is beautiful, being available for my French is beautiful students, managing speak French, spread love, looking for new teachers for speak French, spread love, coming up with new ways to market those individuals. The way that I do and, oh, and have a personal life and rest and, you know, do the things that, that just, that I do just out of love, like play music and, and, and write and, and travel talk to my sister on the phone, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. go for long walks, walk around la place des Vosges, sit at a cafe and have an espresso, all of these beautiful wonderful things that make up a whole life that for me make up a fulfilled life. The way that I do that is I really 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 monitor whether or not I am spreading myself too thin. For me that equates with just doing things that aren't in line with my soul's call. And sometimes it's hard. Actually, a lot of times it's very hard. Um, I am someone with a ton of energy and who does not like to be confronted by the limits of her physical body. It Honestly, I wish I didn't need eight hours sleep, but it's honestly much healthier for me to have eight hours sleep as Ariana Huffington would say, it is for everyone. So, what does this mean? This means that there are certain things that I have to say no to, right? I can't go out in Paris every night, I can't go to every single event, I can't take every single class that I want to take. Like I've been just, I've been just so excited to take flamenco dancing one day, but I know that that has to wait right now. And there's classes in my neighborhood, but I have a lot going on between work and the masters and flamenco dancing is just going to have to wait. But it's hard when you're passionate about something or, you know, wanting to to travel every chance I get, but also knowing that that nesting, that staying home, that resting is really great for my soul and necessary for recuperating my energy. And then also this ties in nicely with my being yourself, the French way course. Obviously a lot of this comes down to just knowing yourself really well. For example, I mentioned procrastinating earlier. Um, it's always so tempting to for me to procrastinate when I have to write a paper for the Soban because the work that I'm doing there is so important to me. And I really want to do excellent work and learn so much. So, of course, the thought of doing anything less than excellent work terrifies me, and procrastination becomes very tempting. Um, but that's, you know, not great. That's not graceful. That's not giving myself the time that I need to breathe to reflect which is something that's so important in philosophy because you're not just regurgitating information you have to absorb information you have to go for long walks you have to ponder it think about it see it in different ways come up with different arguments build them sometimes you might have to start all over because you realize there's a flaw in your argument so it takes time you can't just you can't just write a philosophy paper at the last minute however added to that. I know myself very very well. I am a I have come to terms with this and I'm I'm actually proud of this because I love to write. I am a very slow editor. I love to take my time when I edit my writing. It is so uncomfortable for me when I have to edit quickly. It takes so much of the joy out of it and and that takes the grace out of it. So again, it comes down to knowing myself, to not comparing myself to other people. I'm sure that I have many brilliant colleagues at the Sorbonne that are able to write a paper in in eight hours that might take me double that. But because I know myself, I know how I work best, but probably most importantly, I know how I love to work. And when it comes to writing, I really, really love To take my time to use time as my friend, the friend that it is. Speaking of time, I had a very interesting experience at dinner the other night. It has been so much fun speaking Italian, and it's been very challenging also because the Italians really love to joke around. So sometimes I can't figure out. Even if I understand, I'm not sure I actually understand what they mean because they're joking. Now I've been here for a week, so I've got more a feel of it. But however, I I treated myself to this really wonderful, long dinner. It was pure gourmandise, eating for sport, just these, these amazing pasta dishes, these amazing artichokes red wine this wonderful 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 uh, forest fruit and fresh cream tart and then of course i was going to finish my meal with an espresso i love the espresso down here by the way and my waiter was so cute he said aspetto which means do i do i wait or should i wait and I could, did not know what he meant. Because so typically, if, you, if you're in France, be, you would always order your, your cafe at the end of the meal and they would just bring it right away. But it was so amazing what happened in this experience because I realized how an Italian could potentially feel rushed in France. Whereas, as an American, it's the opposite of that. We feel so not rushed in France. So literally, and then this waiter and I had a chat about it, all he was asking was, so, so mind you, I had been there for quite some time. I'd already had a few courses. I'd had my dessert. He was asking me, do you want me to bring your espresso now or do you want me to wait and you just tell me whenever you want it? And that really, really sunk in for me. And I thought, wow, we are now in a in, a, in new territory when it comes to Taking one's time, being in the moment, enjoying the moment, and remembering that time is our friend. It was amazing. And I was there alone. So he was, you know, it was like, there was no rush. I had my book with me. He was just giving me, he was allowing me to... Just have my moment of just sitting there and reading if I wasn't quite ready for my espresso. Even though, as I said, I'd already been there for quite some time. That was at Al Moro, A-L and then M-O-R-O. The meal was so fantastic that I went back there for lunch yesterday and the staff is so friendly and I just love speaking Italian with them. And so voilà, voilà, chers amis, thank you again for your questions. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to leave five stars and maybe a review if you feel so inspired. Reviews are the best way for people perusing through the iTunes catalog to really get a feel for what this podcast is about, but more importantly, to get a feel for how this podcast makes you feel. Merci d'être là. Thank you for being here. Please send me your questions and comments to Carrie Anne C-A-R-R-I-E-A-N-N-E, at frenchisbeautiful.com, or as we would say in French, C A two r's, i, e, two n's, e, at frenchisbeautiful.com. Je vous embrasse très, très fort. I send you a very, very big kiss from Rome. Et je vous souhaite une très belle semaine. And I wish you a very beautiful week.